0: Hello, I'm Dr. George Lundberg. Welcome to the Medscape Journal of Medicine and a webcast video interview with Dr. Eric Hollander, who is professor and chair of psychiatry at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York. And we are taping at the annual meeting of the American Psychiatric Association in Washington. Thank you very much for being with us today, Dr. Hollander. It's my pleasure. Our topic is that area in which you are the director of a center of excellence in, autism and disorders of impulse control. I I, I want you to tell me and our audience whether autism is a psychiatric disease, a pediatric disease, a neurologic disease, a genetic disease, what kind of disease is it?
1: Well, it's a developmental disorder, which means that it begins before the age of three. And clearly, it's a disorder of the brain. Although other aspects of the body may be affected as well, so we consider it a neuropsychiatric developmental disability. So, neuropsychiatric developmental age three. Does it, uh, what's the latest
0: it could show up? At what age?
1: Well, it has to occur before the age of three. So, so the, it is the, a pediatric the, disease, right? The three K. Although, of course, autistic children grow up to be uh, autistic adults. Of so, it clearly, it affects the whole lifespan. A simple definition of autism? Well, a simple definition is a a marked impairment in three core symptom domains. So marked social deficits, so problems with eye gaze, understanding what other people are thinking, reading their body expressions, the give and take of social interactions. That's the first core deficit. The second core deficit has to do with narrow restricted interests and repetitive behaviors. So these are people who may be experts in a small area of special interest uh... and have rigid routines and lots of stereotype behaviors or compulsions for example and then the third main deficit is language-based difficulties that occur uh... in most individuals with autism sometimes their language ability catches up later on i'm a pathologist is there such a thing as the pathology of autism well there is a neuropathology and a brain circuitry associated with autism and in fact we think that there are distinct brain circuits that are associated with these three different core symptom domains. So certain circuits are involved in the repetitive behaviors, other circuits may be involved in the social deficits and others related to language. Uh, And there are regions of the brain uh, for neuropathology that have shown uh, abnormalities as well. So clearly it is a brain-based disorder. Interestingly, the brain volume seems to be large, and a number of structures seem to be large. But as a developmental disorder, uh, what you see is that over time there are marked differences between normal brain development and what happens in autism. And so they start off with bigger brains and then a more marked regression. Has there always been autism, or is it a new disease? Well, uh, one big area of controversy is whether it's an epidemic. Right. Us, where We know that about 1 in 150 individuals now get diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. So there are a couple of issues. First, we've uh, broadened the diagnostic boundaries. So we, we think of the autism spectrum rather than just autism. Right. And that includes Asperger's syndrome and pervasive developmental disorder. Uh, so in a sense, the the boundaries have been broadened a little bit. Uh, people do much more active screening because we know that you want to make the diagnosis as early as possible because early intervention will speed up the developmental trajectory. So there is more intensive screening and partly uh, there's an ascertainment bias. So some people who have been called mentally retarded or learning disabled are now getting an autism spectrum diagnosis. but. One issue that's sort of a hot controversy is whether or not there are environmental factors that may interact with a very strong genetic predisposition to be associated with sort of a rise in the number of people coming in. So as far as you're concerned, there's no question but that there's a genetic component. Well, there's a very strong genetic component okay. of all our neuropsychiatric disorders. Is probably stronger in autism than any other condition. And then there may be a variety of environmental influences, which layered on top of
0: that genetic predisposition may combine to produce one, two, three, or all together of the variants of autism.
1: That's right. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is that there seem to be a, a number of different genes with minor effects that may sort of interact to be associated with these different core and associated symptoms of autism. We're starting to learn about these uh, cytogenetic abnormalities, so it turns out that older fathers have a sixfold increased risk of having offspring, and so there may be these small deletions or duplications of the chromosomal material that can cause these sporadic cases, for example. yeah,
0: It's been an amazing thing to watch over the last several years. I really first learned about autism at the Institute of Medicine annual meeting a few years uh-huh. ago where there was an in-depth discussion of it, and so much has happened since then in terms of of knowledge of it. On a geographic level, uh, to your knowledge, uh, are people diagnosed with autism in in all ethnic groups, all continents,
1: all uh, racial groups, uh, uh, everywhere? Well, it does seem to cut across the socioeconomic sort of boundaries in the United States. Right. And uh, surveys done in other developed countries also suggest similar rates. So we really. know about developed countries. Right. We're not so sure necessarily we don't know as much. Right. South Pacific Islanders or Right. You know, the about. CDC does these surveys. Right. Uh, and there actually are some variations within the United States. So states like uh, Arkansas and Alabama have a relatively low rate. States like New Jersey seem to have a higher rate. Now, part of that may be just uh, screening and educational issues. It's always an issue
0: of diagnosis as opposed to actual rates. Right, One always has to wonder about that. Uh, Quickly, uh, early intervention, uh, what sort of prognosis
1: if one gets the best treatment early on? Right. Well, there's a lot of heterogeneity in autism. So you have some individuals who have uh, normal or You can't generalize. If it's not really bad, it's easier to treat. Well... Yeah, I mean, okay. it turns out that the better they're doing at baseline, the better their IQ and verbal skills, the better sure. they'll do over time. Of course. But there is reason to treat, and there is reason for optimism in many patients with autism. Absolutely. I mean, okay. it turns out that early interventions can be really very helpful, and we're starting to learn that uh, uh, tailored sort of medication treatments actually can be very helpful for the different Uh, problem behaviors, and even core symptoms of autism.
0: Well, it's going to be fabulous to watch this understanding evolve because this is really, really rapidly happening. One final question, again, as a pathologist. Do we know whether the lifespan of patients with autism is affected?
1: Well, uh, some individuals with autism uh, have accidents. They run into the street, right. they drown, so there's for that example, risk. so.
0: Maybe we haven't been diagnosing it long enough to be able to answer that question?
1: Well, I mean, it's an interesting question whether it affects other organs that may sort of decrease the lifespan. But as we know it now, other than accidents, they seem to have a normal lifespan.
0: Okay, thank you very much for being with okay. us. I appreciate it, and thank you for watching our webcast video interview with Dr. Eric Hollander Professor and Chair of Psychiatry at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York on the topic of autism and disorders of impulse
1: control. Thank you.